Plan B, welcome to the show. It's uh, I'm excited to finally get the chance to speak with you. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. So I know a lot of people are going to be familiar with your work, but this podcast does reach uh, you know some fresh ears every now and then. And so I think maybe briefly, if we can get this kicked off with just uh, kind of who you are, what you've you know done you know to become known as Plan B and 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 the model or models that you've published, uh, and then we can get rolling with uh, some more questions from there. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a uh, Dutchman um, and 40, and I'm an institutional investor in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, so I work in a team that manages a multi-billion-dollar uh, balance sheet, and we invest in all sorts of things, but especially fixed income mortgages, loans, consumer loans, uh, corporate loans. And um, yeah, so I'm always interested in, in uh, investments and, and investing. And it was in 2013 that I discovered uh, Bitcoin. I uh, picked it up at some website. I thought it was uh, zero hedge. And from then on, I started reading, reading, reading. It took me a, a while to, uh, to invest uh, privately. Um, that was in 2014. 15 for the first time in 2016 um but yeah um ever since i wrote that one article with the uh, the model it's uh, the stock to flow model in in march 29 um life has been a roller coaster uh, with my <laughs> twitter account filling up with uh, followers and, and questions and uh yeah it's it's been really a rough ride and, and we're in at, yeah, in the moment of truth, if you will, for the model, because when I uh, made the model, uh, the price was about 4000 and And right now it, it looks like, like, well, it starts to look like the model uh, might be might be right. And it's very, very exciting. time. Well, it's, it's an interesting day even to speak to you, because uh, I'm sure you're aware of the stock to flow uh, multiple bot or account on Twitter. And uh, the current now I'm not sure if this is accurate. You can you can update me if it's not. But the current multiple price is thirty one thousand, and the current market price is let's say thirty thousand. It's been fairly volatile over the last few days. So uh, at least to frame this discussion again for people that may not be too familiar with your work, uh, it's seeming like it's on the money right now. But we'll we'll get into hopefully throughout this discussion some of the reasons why that may be the case and maybe in the future may or may not be the case. So, you know, I'm looking forward to uh, getting your input on that. But just on the point that you just brought up, you know, discovering Bitcoin can be, uh, you know, kind of like a mind-blowing, life-altering experience for anybody, right? Like it really kind of changes or has the capacity to change your perspective on how you look at economics and finance and government and, you know, even a lot of stuff in people's personal lives, which I've really liked and enjoyed to dig into with guests on the show. Um, but, you know, very few people have the experience that you've had where you put something out in the space and this space is rife with, you know, people that contribute voluntarily their intellect, uh, whether it's reading, podcasting, models, you know, et cetera, art even now. Uh, and it's great. Um, but as you said, you know, your your model became uh, very popular or at the very least the subject of a lot of uh, conversation. And uh, since then, you know, I would imagine that your life, at least your anonymous online uh, online existence has changed dramatically. I'm just wondering what that's been like uh, for you over the last two, three years. <laughs> yeah, great question. It 
it's similar. It changed a lot, actually. So if you count from 2013, I'm I'm in Bitcoin seven years now, which is which is long for Bitcoin, but not not really long as being a, a, a real OG. Uh, no, but it's, it's not, it, bad. not bad, not yeah. bad though. Uh, but but um, now I was hooked from the start, from reading the white paper and seeing this this eight or nine pages, if you count the references, uh, uh, article with with so eloquently and so simply put a, a thought out there that is that is simply amazing. It's it's an invention. Why don't you? Well, normally you need banks for for giving you um, account numbers and passwords. Now you just make your own random number, and and use the uh, elliptic curve encryption to uh, to do the private key, uh, public key uh, thing, and then the proof of work that that allows to have a monetary uh, policy. That's that's also totally um, uh, yeah baked in math and 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 and. And code, and not no central bank, no government that touches it. It the the thing is so simple and so thought provoking that it it caught me right from the start. And and once you go deeper and deeper, and you read, well, it, it's very simple actually. You you look at the references. That's where the article uh, or the white paper ends. You look at the references. You see Adam Beck, who is very active on Twitter, and you start following him and read his other stuff. Uh, you, you get to people like uh, Nick Zabo and, and and the core developers and the first investors like like Max Kaiser. Um, it has been a journey for me that is all encompassing. It's 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 twenty four seven almost. It's 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 scary actually how you get stuck <laughs> into this thing. And, and of course also like you say to the point that you start questioning your personal uh, life. Uh, choices like uh, uh, being healthy. I um, um, I'm doing a lot more sports than I used to do. I, I look at my food, and if if there's something on the table that is uh, processed food, I think fiat food. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that term. If it was safe, I think it might have been safe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, you you see it everywhere. And uh, mind you, for me, it's me maybe even even weirder because. Uh, I talk to central banks every day uh, and I see the weirdness of quantitative easing um, every day. I'm a seller, right? I sell stuff to the central banks. Uh, and and I've seen, I've been seeing this from yeah, 2008 on uh, and, and getting worse and worse and weirder and weirder. So I guess without me um, being um yeah, active in my daily life as an institutional investor, together with central banks, uh, doing this quantitative easing, being being a part of the quantitative easing and seeing how weird it is, I would never um, have discovered Bitcoin and and see Bitcoin for the well the solution uh, it, it it can be or it is in my eyes to this to this yeah this quantitative easing and. And negative interest rate uh, things we see around us. Two two questions about that. One is, and you know, th this one might be it's a difficult one to uh, to answer for a lot of people. But have you spent any time thinking about? You mentioned kind of some of the lifestyle changes that have occurred since being kind of obsessed with Bitcoin. And I'm sure you know. I know that everyone listening to this, it resonates with them. You know, we're all kind of uh, down the rabbit hole and n n with no ability to climb out, basically. Um, 
but have you ever have you reflected at all on why you think uh, those lifestyle changes have been inspired as a result of being so deep into this stuff? Yes, um, it's one of the things that you um, start thinking about, or or uh, is that is that you have been listening to experts and authorities and and trusted third parties like like uh, Bitcoin used uh, used to talk about. You've you've been listening and trusting to those people in in areas that you were not an expert. So for me, that would be uh, the medical world, for example. I don't I know nothing about about uh, medicine or or doctor stuff. Uh, but then it, questioning authority and third parties that that that's best Bitcoin, right? And and peer to peer. Yeah, uh, verify. Uh, don't trust. Verify th- those kind of things. Th- those are really interesting. So you you start to do that in all parts of life. Don't trust. Verify. Read the medical articles. Follow the doctors on on Twitter. Uh, look up who are the real experts. So I I basically was um, doing this already because of something i cannot talk about but uh, <laughs> that started earlier in my life in uh, around uh, 1999 2000 i have been um, reading zero newspapers and, uh, and not watching television i do watch netflix but not the the normal uh, since since uh, 1999 so no uh, mainstream media and that is so liberating i can i can suggest that uh, uh, and advise that to everybody because it yeah. opens your mind. It opens your mind. And Twitter is such a wonderful uh, medium because you can just uh, research who are the experts in a certain field and just follow the guys and, and, and women that that are the, the, the real gurus in the, in the field and you learn so much in everything. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you curate your own news and then you go direct to the source. I mean, what what could be better, you know? Uh, <laughs> That's and, it. And, you know, I share that... Uh, you know the the mainstream news media and TV in general has been something that I've abstained from for a long time as well. Like you, you know, I watch some movies on Netflix from time to time. But um, but yeah, it's 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 liberating. And the flip side of that is it's frustrating to see how indoctrinated other people who haven't taken that approach, who spend so much time in front of the mainstream news media and in in front of the TV, it's so obvious to see the level of indoctrination. And propagandizing that goes on as a result of of exposing oneself to that, and that that especially in light of the past year, uh, has been a frustration for me to say the least. Same here, same here. It's, I mean, I I think I I turned a lot of people around me, friends and families, and uh, that also stopped um, doing the uh, the mainstream media thing and 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 uh, went on a, a don't trust verify search themselves. It's uh, it's. I find that very very hopeful, and it's um, I, I do that by asking questions. I like the Socrates um, method of asking questions, asking questions, and people then start wondering uh, or, or go go search for the answers themselves. Not everybody, but but some do. And, yeah, and, and, and I think one of the amazing phenomenons, uh, or one of the the amazing benefits of the Bitcoin phenomenon, is that because, as you say, we have this quote unquote number go up technology that's bringing everybody in, and then many of those people, or at least some, will kind of gain the ethos of don't trust verify and some of the other you know, catchphrases that are associated uh, with the community. And they will 
apply that to different areas of their life. And that's what I find so encouraging because, you know, changing behavior can be such a difficult thing. And if you identify one of the problems in the world as so many people being ingrained in such destructive uh, behaviors, then, you know, you can get a little uh, cynical about how that gets turned around. But just seeing the Bitcoin quote unquote community as varied and broad and distributed as it is all around the world, seeing that it's not just about balancing your financial portfolio to increase your annual gains over the course of a decade, but it's actually far more than that. You know, it has ideology, it has changes in lifestyle, it has all this kind of stuff, which is, from my perspective, what I've seen rapidly changing people's behavior. And that gives me a ton of hope because it, it, it makes me think like, oh shit, like even those really you know, pe maybe people that were deep into another type of ideology for a long time. Like I've had people on this show that were, you know, staunch socialists at the beginning of 2020 and now are hardcore Bitcoiners less than 12 months later. And so that, that kind of stuff really gives me hope that, you know, there's a, a genuine social phenomenon happening here as well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that draw me to Bitcoin as well uh, at the time. It, it's sometimes it's the conspiracy people or the lunatics or a lot of, uh, you know, uh, wishful thinkers. But if you look at the Bitcoin community, even back then, uh, well, maybe uh, especially back then, uh, those were the, the brightest and smartest minds that I have ever encountered. And, and, and still uh, the, the level of discussions uh, that we have, like, like the discussion we're having right now, it's I, I don't have that very frequently uh, at, at my work or, or, or outside. <laughs> it's I see people from from NASA, from Google, from from I look at Michael Saylor is an um, Preston. They're all MIT uh, um, uh, aeronautic uh, <laughs> experts, and uh, those people are. They know what they're talking about, and and they they know they're to ask the right questions. So discussing with with doctors, with with MIT, with with everybody actually that is a free thinker, and I is is very exciting. And I even draw this line a little further. Uh, you uh, for sure, yeah. You you must have read read the book uh, the Sovereign Individual, uh, which was written Phenomenal. in yeah. yeah, it's a must read. Also for the listeners. Um, and and that's my worldview that there is a uh, well, a, a, um, a country, if you will, a group of people in cyberspace that that thinks alike, free thinkers, critical thinkers that find each other through Twitter, through podcasts like these, uh, and and that are starting to change the world. And uh, yeah, it's it's very very, and that is much more maybe than the uh, the money and uh, the freedom that gives which is important of course because it gives you more time to think but but the the real thing is the thinking and the the people that you meet and the the uh, it feels like a renaissance if you will yeah it's, yeah well yeah, i'm very excited about it. it 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 really does and you know you having been in in the space since uh 13 to me and myself kind of started paying attention in 14 uh, there seems to be a marked difference over like, let's say the last two years. Now you, you can never dissociate number go up from any of this because that is a huge pull on people's at the very least their attention string. Like, you know, it's hard to uh, ignore this new form of money that's just skyrocketing. And it's, you know, you hear the stories of people being made rich and all that kind of stuff. But in, in the past year, in, in 2020, I really think that in addition to number go up, and let's say that's still the, the, the primary thing that pulls people in, 
I think given the backdrop of what's happening in the world, you know, in all sort of domains and areas, um, I think people are increasingly looking at this community in cyberspace that you mentioned, or this country, this parallel system that's emerging in cyberspace. And they're seeing, you know, that people are positive, motivated, uh, intelligent, you know, uh, independent, taking responsibility, uh, trying to figure things out for themselves, uh, you know, supporting one another, like all of these really positive um, attributes. And I think people are seeing it and saying, you know, I don't, I don't know much about economics, finance, investing money, uh, but I'd love to be a part of something like that because I'm just tired of the, you know, the, the bullshit and the boredom of, and the monotony and the, the disingenuousness and the dishonesty of, of the life that I'm, you know, forced to be a part of in my daily life. So I, I want a piece of that thing over there. And I think that's a big reason why we're seeing a lot more people kind of defect uh, to the Bitcoin uh, country. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they want to be part of the discussion. They want to, they want to be part of the wealth, of course, that yeah. that's also one thing, but it's also, it's, it's once I noticed that, that also artists uh, are a big part of a community, right? And and they're here for, well, for, for sure, not the money is the first thing. So they, they sense a, an energy, they, they sense something going on, an artistic thing going on, and which, well, art and science also always go hand in hand. So that's, I think that's a very important thing to notice. And I notice it around in, in my following, uh, my following base as well. My followers are, um, well, a lot of investors, of course, but also and more and more artists and DJs, for example, a lot of DJs with millions of followers. I, I ask myself, why, why are they uh, following me? But it's, well, it's music, it's memes, it's everything. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a movement far bigger than, than it is an investment. Well, you know, freedom is a popular idea. So <laughs> when, when people see freedom and it's all of its different manifestations uh, and art is obviously a part of expressing that, you know, different elements of freedom, it's an attractive thing, right? I think, uh, I think that's had a pull on a lot of us. And, you know, I'd like to ask you, you, you mentioned that you deal with central banks and you, you work in the, you know, legacy finance, let's say. Um, two questions, kind of what was it like or what is it like being having one foot in that i think what many of us may agree is kind of a uh, uh what's the word kind of a crumbling legacy financial and political world uh over there and one uh in the new emerging uh you know bitcoin world that we've been discussing what is that like and two did that have much of an impact on when you first became aware of Bitcoin, wanting to learn more about it? Because, you know, I often think about what would the, um, the Genesis block, what would, what would the Bitcoin phenomenon, how, how would it have organically grown in, in any different ways? Now, perhaps not at all, but how would it have been different if that message in the Genesis block wasn't there? Chancellor on the brink of the second bailout for banks. I mean, I, I consider that the political statement of the century. Um, and I, I do wonder, you know, without that, would it have pulled on the libertarian community as much if it was just kind of a, a, a label, you know, a digital network launched on the internet without label? Now, I'm sure the market would have figured it out eventually, but it's in interesting to think about how it may have uh, grown differently. Um, 
but for, for your perspective, being in that world and coming across Bitcoin, were you uh, dissatisfied with the way things worked in that world? Did you have, you know, were you uh, aligned with libertarian sort of thinking or ideals, or at least feeling that the, you know, state had grown too large or too influential in people's lives? Like, was that a part of the interest for you? Yeah, it, to be honest, it was kind of, and still is kind of Kafkaesque. If you, uh, it's like you're in the uh, Kafka novel, uh, Der Possess. Uh, you're in, I, I don't know if, if you read it. It, it, it's a, it's a must read. It's a, um, you're in both worlds and they're so totally different. It's you're, you're, you're falling from one amazement in another amazement every day. Um, for example, the, uh, um, we're, we're looking for returns. Our world, an investor looks at the world uh, very simple through risk and return. So we're constantly scouting and looking for risk and return uh, opportunities, uh, high risk or low risk, high return. And then Bitcoin comes along, which is very high return, average 200% a year, but very high risk as well. 80% uh, implied volatility is on the options right now, which is a, a very high, high sharp ratio, which is about... Well, it can't be actually. It's 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 like like the impossible uh, heaven for for investors. And then on the other hand, you see no investors in the traditional world interested in it. They're all still talking st as as we speak today about the, that that it's for criminals. Like, like like well, they did the same thing with internet, right? It, the internet was for porn and and uh, pedophiles and and and. Even Nobel Prize winners uh, were saying it, it, its impact would be small, like like the fax machine, right? It's it's, and and that's the world I'm living in today. Uh, it, it's you don't get um, you don't get flowers for for bringing up the topic uh, the topic and the, in 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 a meeting or even uh, they, they they laugh at you. So um, it's something you you um, avoid. In, 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 in. And on the other hand, let's face it, the, in the traditional world and the, the central bank reality with negative interest rates and, and, um, and, and debasement, quantitative easing, we make use of that as well in the traditional world. We earn our money with that. We, we, it, in the Cantillon effect, we're, we're top of the chain. So we're, we're, it's good for us. Uh, imagine if, I, if we do mortgages. Uh, so I need money to um, lend out the money to a mortgage borrower. If I uh, lend that money from a, uh, a, a central bank or, or, or in Europe with negative interest rates, I get interest rates. I used to pay interest rates for getting the money, but now I get interest rates for getting money. And then I take that money and I bring it to the other side of the table to people wanting it and they pay me money as well they pay me interest so i get interest rates from two sides it's like a crazy world it's like and imagine this all the models that we're working with all the excel models the python models the r models um they're cash flow models so they're we discount cash flows with positive um, uh, interest rates and now we have negative interest rates and those models basically stop to work stop working the, uh, the outcomes are really weird and you start thinking well what should we do should we trust the outcomes or should we should we sort of jump to uh to other other uh, benchmarks to 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 decide whether an, an investment is, is good or not because well 
uh, net present values are very easy with uh, low interest rates, right? If, even the the the, the, the not-so-good investments start, start looking good. Uh, maybe we should look at payback time or something. Um, so the whole discussion is, is kind of weird in, in, in plan A, if you will, in the traditional finance. And then stepping into plan B in, in, the, in the Bitcoin world, it's so clear, so simple, so obvious, and it's a totally different world. And, and, and then especially with the derivatives markets like uh, futures, cash and carry strategies that are basically risk-free, uh, giving you 10 or 20 percent. Those are returns that we never ever get as as institutional, large institutional investors with uh, with uh, like pension balance sheets and, and, and stuff. So it's weird, weird, weird. Do these people know? I mean, because you were, you, you know, you work in, in that world and then you also get to come and hang out in Bitcoin land and the disparity between the two, the contrast is I'm sure jarring and quite obvious, but um, you know, like what what is the rationale that these people that you're working with uh, on a daily basis, like do they know what they're doing? Do they know what's going on here? What what what's the and I don't mean with Bitcoin, I mean in their own domain, like do things seem normal to them or is there a lot of scrambling around saying, you know, the cracks are beginning to emerge and everyone's just trying to patch them up as they go? I mean, what what Great question. What is the legacy world thinking right now? They know. They know it's wrong. They know it will end. Each one of them. Each one of them. So all of them um, have Bitcoin personally that I know of, right? All my colleagues, the 10, all have Bitcoin personally. Um, it's like the global financial crisis in 2008. So every in the mainstream media, you read things like nobody saw it coming. It was a black swan event, et cetera, et cetera. It was not because everybody in, in the banking sector that was close to the fire knew what was coming because the credit default swaps were, were creeping up and up and up for months. So you, you knew there was something was going on like you know right now, right? It, it always reminds me of that period when I look at the number, the amount of negative uh, interest yielding um government bonds which is in the trillions i think it's 20 trillion or so 25 trillion mm -hmm. and it creeps up every day every day more negative interest yielding uh, bonds and you know that's not okay that that can't go forever it will blow up um one day but well you know it stops until the mu it, it goes on until the music stops and and uh we're earning big money so it's like the turkey graph from uh, uh, Taleb, it, it goes on and you earn and you earn and you earn. And one day it's Thanksgiving and then you, your head gets chopped off, chopped off. And and we all, the incentive structure, we all know that is, is of course uh, on a yearly basis. So we get our bonuses on a yearly basis. And if you survive another year, you, you can, uh, well, whatever. And, uh, and then uh, you, you, you'll see what the next year brings. So, but most of them know, um, that this will have to result in 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 something completely different that we're living. It it, it can be a debt um, reset. Uh, it can be uh, hyperinflation. It can be an alternative system like Bitcoin. Um, we don't know. We don't know what the trigger will be either. I, I for a moment thought it was uh, COVID. So uh, we were looking for that trigger a long time, long time. 
but maybe we need another trigger or maybe the amount of quantitative easing, the trillions and trillions that were printed since Q1 uh, last year will, um, will uh, lead to negative uh, and unintended consequences uh, later on in the process, maybe, maybe later this year, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think that's unavoidable that there's a lot of unintended consequences that emerge from that. I, do you have any sense of, and I, this is the $64 million question, right? Like when are we going to see kind of an unwind uh, begin? And I, I think you could make a case that we're seeing the effects of these uh, policies well, we've seen them over the past 10 years. And if we've just done 10 plus years of these sorts of policy interventions in the last year, presumably we're going to see a lot of particularly social consequences as a result of, of these ongoing attempts to shore up this, this failing system. But you know, do you have any sort of semblance of an idea of like when a, a genuine unwind of, of the system as it is now may uh, begin? Uh, yes, I do. Um... I'm just old enough to have experienced the uh, uh, Soros, George Soros, uh, pushing the uh, the pound out of the out of the euro pounds at the time. So at the time, the euro was was far before the euro was actually uh, uh, created. Was in 1999. Far before that, the currencies were in some kind of band. It was the EMS band, so they had to be close to each other. Otherwise, uh, governments had to reduce their debt, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then the UK was sort of at the lower end of that bound. And, and uh, it's, it's a very dangerous place to be because there's a lot of speculators and a lot of big hedge funds that, that are trying to make money, of course. So G George Soros, and there's a lot of book, books about this. And, and I um, advise people to, to, to read one or two. It's very, very similar to current situation. They, so George, George Soros just pushed the UK uh, pound, the, 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 the British pound, out of that band. And it, it happened very slowly and slowly. And it was it, it was uh, slowly then, or gradually, suddenly then, well, what is it? Gradually then suddenly. That, that's yeah. the one. It's, and it has to do with um, derivatives markets as well. So, um, so Soros was obviously pushing for this uh, short squeeze, if you will. Uh, they saw uh, the UK was in trouble and, and they were pushing them over the cliff, but they couldn't do it alone. So they were hoping for others and others were looking as well. So they were thinking, well, there is a non-zero chance that Soros is going to succeed in doing this. So maybe we should hedge ourselves a little bit. And of course, that the little bit of hedging by a lot of people created another effect and another effect. And then well, things became a self-fulfilling prophecy, and that can go very rapidly, as we have seen lately with uh, GMI, GME. Sorry. Um, so, I think that that's basically what you see happening right now. Um, and what I find very interesting is people like Michael Soros, the uh, oh, sorry, Michael Saylor, another Michael. Uh, it's George Soros, was it? Michael Saylor with um, MicroStrategy. That that is. Uh, also, um, yeah, he, he has done something amazing, right? A, a, a cash-rich company, a tech company with great margins that, that somehow feels that those cash balances are a danger to his company because, uh, yeah, well, the money printing and uh, cash is trash, etc. 
so he starts protecting himself quite quite um uh well it's, it's a ballsy move he did he did, he put all of it in bitcoin but i can imagine a lot of companies with with a lot of cash balances that are already diversifying into other uh assets short short maturity assets other uh foreign exchange uh, uh currencies but uh they start looking at bitcoin as well and now and now michael is opening open sourcing his playbook to everybody so how do you do that legally uh ifrs accounting wise how do you how do you treat all that and how do you do it i think those are the gradual effects that slowly but and then suddenly uh give us a uh, a major move a sort of a sort of short squeeze if you will that we are seeing in a small um setting today in the gme stock uh and and what do I mean with 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 a, a short squeeze? Maybe it's a negative gamma squeeze. Uh, everybody, the whole world will be scrambling for Bitcoin. That's what I envision uh, at any price. Because you need you, there will be a moment in time that everybody realizes this is going to shit. The dollar, the euro, the whatever. Something is going to happen. They sort of said it already. It will happen. I have to hatch myself. I need dollars. Uh, sorry, I need Bitcoins right now and everybody the whole world will be scrambling and that will be the day now when will that be i think my model if you will sort of shows the route because um it shows a uh, five trillion dollar uh, market cap for bitcoin uh in the next couple of years actually end of this year and then and then uh, from the years uh, until the next halving which is quite a, a bit higher than it is right now, right? It's it's like a 10x from from here. Mm -hmm. um, but five trillion is already uh, pretty large. It it's it's getting, but not large enough to be really a big asset. Like the stock markets are like a hundred trillion. The bond markets are like a hundred trillion. Uh, the broad money supply is about a, the global is about a hundred trillion uh, US dollars. So. It is that next phase, if you will, not phase five that we're entering right now, but phase six that we're entering after the next half in 2024. So the period 2024, 2028. In that period, we'll do another 10x, maybe 20x, and then we'll get to that 100 trillion, 50 trillion, 100 trillion level. And then, well, it will be so big, it cannot be ignored anymore, and it will for sure trigger all kinds of effects so in a way um my model predicts those are the price levels at those times and well those should be the times that it cannot be then something big big has to happen right then and um there's also a big critique against the model that um it goes to infinity right stock to flow goes to infinity mm -hmm. and then the, the the bitcoin value should be infinity well no um what it shows is that you can interpolate, you can follow the model until that 100 trillion level, because that's where the latest data point is, the, the, the real estate market value. Maybe it's a little bit higher, depending on how you look at it. But we, we can follow the model until we don't have any data anymore. Then it will be uncharted uh, territory. So I wouldn't make any predictions higher than uh, 100 trillion uh, market cap or uh, well, and, and, and that should be 2028, sort of, uh, plus or minus two years. 
When, when you say don't have any data anymore, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, so if we look at the second model that I made, the stock-to-flow cross-asset model, mm -hmm. it combines not only uh, Bitcoin data in there, but also gold, silver, uh, real estate, and diamond markets, the global markets. And that makes it not a time series, but a cross-asset model, uh, if you will. And um, we're now, or we we have been the, the late, in the last years, far below, um, for example, the gold market uh, value of uh, 10 trillion US dollars. And um, in the model, the uh, uh, real estate market value is 100 trillion US dollars. So we have data, the model, it, the model line is fitted on Bitcoin data, but also on that gold data and that real estate data. So um, we don't have to extrapolate. We don't have to, we're not going outside the, the, the model boundaries, uh, the data boundaries uh, to make a prediction. If, if we say, the model basically says, okay, if the stock to flow is of Bitcoin is the same as gold, then the market cap should be around the market cap of gold and mm -hmm. the same for real estate. And that's not a wild guess because we already know what, what, what assets with that kind of scarcity are worth. So uh, it's, it's, it's when you, you go over the 100 trillion market cap, if you go beyond real estate, then it becomes spooky. And then, well, I would say, uh, yeah, all bets are off or, or don't follow the model anymore. Uh, maybe there, there isn't even a dollar anymore by then. Who right. knows? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And I think, you know, I love that people, I, I've heard you say before that, you know, you had the model for a while and uh, you didn't publish it, you, you know, publicly. And then you, I think it was, uh, you know, maybe it was early 19 or late 18 or pe people, people were, you know, predicting lower prices and, and you just felt, you know, based on the modeling that you'd done that that was, you know, probably not going to be the case and the reason why is that the model price that you prices you know upper and lower bounds that you would come to and then you publish the model and, and we all know the story since then but it, it's one of those ones that's difficult to even have a framework for assessing because it it, it kind of runs counter to well a lot of your assumptions about how you know how things work how things grow you know supply demand valuation and one of the things I wonder about it is Bitcoin is such a unique phenomenon. Um, and being that it's a monetary uh, phenomenon, it, it, it's so integral into uh, everyone's life. I mean, the money rabbit hole is an extremely interesting rabbit hole that, you know, I think a lot of Bitcoiners have uh, begun to go down or are very deep in. And, and that's almost more interesting than the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I some, you know, Bitcoin's just kind of at the end of the rabbit hole saying, you know, I'm the best version so far, but the real rabbit hole is, is money. And uh, I wonder, what, what do you make of what your model says about the emergence of this, uh, this, this phenomenon on the world? Because I, I, I get that we can, you know, perhaps it provides some guidance for, uh, predicting what the price may do 
within certain bands up to a certain point. But what do you make of the fact that an asset like this has emerged that has these qualities that are even able to be modeled in the way that you've done? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, uh, I have been, um, uh, educated since university and, and, and later also in my, in my professional life with the efficient, efficient market hypothesis, which means that markets are always right. All the information is in the prices already. You can't make easy money. There is no arbitrage. Uh, if you make money, you have to take risk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then this model comes along <laughs> and then, yeah, even for me, it was like this, this can't be. This can't be this easy. So, uh, like you and, and, and most others, probably, I'm, I'm also amazed <laughs> at my own model that it's it's <laughs> it's not it's now so close tracking the model. Uh, and you're right when the, when 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 it was published in in um, March uh, 2019, the price was uh, a little under four thousand. And most people were predicting that it would go be below 1,000 at the moment. So with my model in the hand, I uh, I knew that that if I would publish it, that well, most people would dismiss it right out of hand because of the efficient market. Because of uh, well, you can't have a simple model predicting something complex uh, like this, and it can't be this easy to make money. But other people, and especially the the people that are into modeling and quants and uh, they would pick it up and they would not trust me, but verify it themselves and replicate the models and come to the same conclusions unless I had, a had made a mistake. So I was very glad to see that people actually did that, replicate the model, try to see if they could come up with the same uh, figures and, and they did. So um, yeah, to be, to be honest right now, and, and we're about, about 10 X further along the way still, at the beginning of what the model says is going to happen, but we're, we're already 10x up from publishing uh, around that, uh, the, the 40,000 mark was, was 10x from the 4,000 when it was published. I have very little doubt that the model will go on uh, for at least uh, another four to eight years. So, so even if, if, if I'm as, as amazed as you are and everybody is that it, that it, that it is this easy, um, it, it probably will go on for another four or eight years as well. And there is only one time before in history that I have seen this happening, and that was uh, with the uh, Black and Scholes pricing uh, option pricing model. So those guys had um, discovered a way of modeling uh, the value of an option, every option basically, purely based on volatility. Uh, on the risk of another underlying asset plus some some contract specific uh, parameters but basically the volatility and that was unheard of at the moment it wasn't believed either because uh until then options were priced with uh, as input the expected value of the underlying assets so if you had an option of a stock market for example you, you must have a valuation and an expectations model of the future value of the stock market into that option valuation model. And now these guys said, well, that's not necessary. We can just measure the uh, volatility, the risk of an asset, and then 
solely based on that variable, we can, we can predict the option price. And nobody believed it. Uh, maybe the math was okay. It was a very slick model. It was stolen from uh, uh, physics, the eye tracking a moving object. So it was a known model, but uh, uh, nobody believed it. And still the model worked. So the, the guys that invented it, Black and Scholes, uh, were able to make money from it. I mean, lots of money, not like one or 10, 10 million, but hundreds of millions of dollars uh, because they just followed the model for uh, and exploited the model for, for 10 plus years. Mm -hmm. So it takes, it takes some time before the market and people accept. Uh, also in this case with stock to flow that there is a model without even demand in it that can, that can track uh, uh, prices this closely. Well, that's, that's, you know, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about, because is, is the premise of a model like this that, you know, we were talking about that there's going to be a rush for everyone to acquire Bitcoin to exit the dollar and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, I think maybe the, the, the challenge is, is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but the premise of a model like this basically boils down all of that human action to a function of a change of scarcity in, in, the, in the asset. Right. So all, you know, kind of the model is saying all of that stuff that goes on out in the outer world, the legacy financial system crumbling, people, you know, wanting to get rich quick you know, and everything else that goes on can be boiled down to the effect that that decreasing or increasing scarcity rather has on people's psychology and what they actually end up doing in their behavior. Is that the premise of this model? Uh, yeah, not formally a premise in that it's a formal assumption, but yeah, it's 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 uh, it can be concluded from that that all the other stuff, everything except the most dominant factor in this case uh, scarcity, stock to flow, everything else is noise, is canceling uh, each other out, uh, or at least less important than uh, than uh, scarcity. Um, so uh, I talked about it with this with uh, Seyfedin as well because this is of course. A, an Austrian economy thing as well, the, the human action and, and the fact that one uh, formula sort of describes the behavior and physic, uh, uh, psych psychological things and, and, and buys and sells of 7 billion people is, so, is, is kind of weird. On the other hand, and this is very interesting, um, we have a, for the first time, a constant in economics. The 21 million so it's a bit like physics uh where you have the, the the speed of light and stuff where you for the first time in economics you have a constant and, and maybe that makes some things predictable in a very simple way uh and, and of course that's that's to be researched that's to be discussed that's 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 just a a thought that safe had that that i have that we discussed but it could be that 21 million that's driving this whole thing. Um, because it's for the first time we have an absolute scarce asset in the economy. And uh, on the other hand, um, all the other factors do play a role. So the model is not 100% correct, right? It's, you see, uh, you see the, the actual Bitcoin price overshooting the model, which is, of course, greed and FOMO. And you see it crash under the model, which is fear and uh and all that so you could even go a couple steps further and, and model that as well um into the model so next to scarcity bring some other variables in there 
and start modeling that. I on purpose, uh, I purposefully, purposely did not do that to keep it as simple as possible and as astonishing as possible. <laughs> so, yeah. So when you say, you know, the Bitcoin price could, could exceed the, the lower bound or exceed the upper bound, you mean that has happened or that would, you could model out that those potentials? Yeah, you see it has happened in the past. So in 2013, uh, at all-time high, it was far above the model, like two or three times above the model mm. value. And in 2017 as well, it was far above the model. So that was an error, a model error, if you will. Uh, and you could reduce that error by including FOMO or, or uh, you model the, the um, serial uh, correlation that's, that's still in the errors uh, at the moment. Right. And so with that in mind, what, what in your opinion, is it possible for the model to be invalidated? And if so, what would, what would be, you know, what would, what would invalidate it in terms of price action? Yeah. It, it's funny that a lot of people are so focused on uh, when the model is <laughs> invalidated uh, <laughs> while it's tracking so, so nicely, but uh, <laughs> it, it would have been invalidated uh, two years ago when the price indeed would have gone to uh, from 4,000 to 1,000, right? Uh, if it goes down and, and Bitcoin goes to zero, it's, it's gone. And I think right now you could say that if we are still at $30,000 at the end of this year, uh, that would be, well, a bit on the low side uh, compared to the, to the prediction value of 100,000 or even to 288,000 for the stock to flow X model. So yeah, it, if the price goes down from here or stays much lower, like a lot of the other models predict, of course, you have the uh, time models, the rainbow models, the uh, lengthening cycle models. Th those are all um, uh, pretty much lower than the stock to flow uh, model. So yeah, I think by the end of the year, we if, if it stays far below 100,000, then I would seriously doubt the model. And the, the upper and lower bounds are established how? Are they just a standard deviation of some kind from, you know, the center? Or can you explain how those are, are calculated? Yeah, yeah the, the model is very simple. It's a linear regression on the logarithmic of uh, stock to flow and the logarithmic of price or, or market value. So, um, and that that um, uh, regression analysis, that, that, that line, that, that linear line, has indeed a uh, significance and, and some tests, some statistical tests, if, it, if it's a good fit, R squared, uh, the, the F statistic, the T statistics, if those uh, go off, the, off, uh, off that critical values, then the model is, is uh, broken. Right. It's, yeah, it's, it, and, and it will not be one month, one data point that is off that will break the model. It will be a continued, per continued period like say six points or half a year, a year far under the model, and then it's done. Is that something that's outlined in the model, like a period of time required for, you know, the price to be outside the bounds of the model for, I mean, or is there a statistical norm for, you know, for judging these sorts of things? Uh, yes and no. Yeah, there, there is the statistic, the T statistic uh, for the uh, stock to flow variable and the F statistic for the uh, entire formula. 
those have to be uh, significant. They have to be within certain bands. Um, and yeah, so, so everybody can check that. So that's in the original uh, post about the model, you mean? Yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. table in the original post. Uh, but it's also a very, if you do it yourself, if you replicate the model, it's just a regression analysis standard tests that you have to do. Yeah. Um, and let, let me say that um, again and up front. It, it, it's, uh, I mean, the model can be wrong. It can be wrong. It, it, it is by definition wrong because all models are wrong, of course, but some are useful, blah, blah, blah. Right. But it can be really wrong as in not useful uh, and spurious. So it can be that stock to flow and scarcity is, is not a, a variable that causes the price to rise. And then we'll, we'll probably notice that at the end of the year or a little bit later. And then, well, the model is wrong. So it can be spurious. It still can. But um, yeah, it's, it's sort of difficult to prove that something is not spurious. The, the whole co-integration discussion at the time was sort of uh, adding to that. If there was co-integration there, then there was less chance of it being spurious. Uh, but then, well, you could do the test and... and, and uh, but you weren't allowed to do the test, actually. So, yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that because one, I I agree with the point you know, your yours and Safe's conversation about that. Now we kind of have an economic absolute measurement uh, that's probably going to really shake things up, and it's probably more significant than we're even able to comprehend right now. But I think that's going to be a really profound thing to have uh, moving forward for humanity in the future. Um, but with regards to, to the model, I wonder if, I mean, can a model be useful and accurate for a time and then not accurate and therefore no longer useful later? You know, so maybe, you know, because we live in a, an ever-changing world, maybe the motivations that, that cause events to happen, whether they be in the realm of human action or otherwise, are one thing or or a multitude of things for a period of time and then they change to a, another thing now in your model you talk about these phase transitions where i think what you're trying to do is what when, when we said earlier that like somehow this you know the scarcity the bitcoin's increasing scarcity is distilling down all this human action that that um uh, to in order to, for the price to kind of go in lockstep with the model, um, and I think the phase transition uh, that you kind of graphed on top of that is trying to articulate maybe some of the changing narratives that characterize the action that's being distilled down into the scarcity as Bitcoin uh, as the price appreciates. Uh, and you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong on that, but I was just wondering, like in your framework. Because like you said, everyone wants to know, like, you know, can, when and how and will the model be invalidated upside, downside, whatever. I mean, is it possible that for a time it's, it literally is a truthful and accurate model. And just because it gets invalidated one way or the other in the future doesn't invalidate what it was communicating in the past. It may just suggest that another factor has taken over uh in this case that the the price appreciation of bitcoin do you have any thoughts on yeah. that i don't know if i worded that properly but oh yeah yeah i i got you I, um yeah i think it is possible to for a model to be valid for a shorter period of time so you only have to look at weather forecast models um they are always uh, uh ac sort of accurate or useful for 
uh, a couple of days, maybe two days, three days, and then it, it really uh, drops off and, and you cannot basically make a one month weather forecast. It, uh, y y the para parameters are so are changing so much and, and they're so the model is it, it's also sensitive that uh, that you need a new mo new model. So uh, yeah, like weather forecasts, we it could be that we can forecast the price until it gets to 100 trillion. The, the real it overtakes real estate as the uh, ultimate store of value in the world and then the model uh, stops working. On the other hand, I think that scarcity is is so fundamental. It's from a first principle stand, uh, standpoint. It's so fundamental in economics that scarce things are worth more than abundant things. That I find it kind of odd that nobody ever used it before in modeling. Uh, well, it's the same with risk and return. Of course, risk and return. That's that's a a fundamental relationship between those two, because risky things should should be more should return more. Uh, than because otherwise everybody would be a millionaire. So, but the same with scarce things. Some things are scarce, and they should be worth uh, more. Um, so, I think we're at the beginning of a um, journey in in modeling and economics, Austrian economics, but also other economics valuations, um, where this stock to flow model for the first time. Um, made an attempt to to to, uh, to to model it, to model the relation between scarcity and, and value, but where we will see lots of improvements on the model. And uh, uh, of course, my model is so simple and it can be approved upon. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of amazed that not much people have done it already, put some extra variables in there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm quite sure that even after the 100 trillion mark, um, where we probably go to a world where, for example, Bitcoin will be the uh, uh, unit of account, uh, where this whole, well, where all the other assets like real estate and gold will be valued in Bitcoin, and how would that be in a uh, stock-to-flow scarcity model? Uh, so yeah, I think, I think we're seeing, uh, we're we're going to see a lot of other models that are building on top of uh, this one. I agree. And, and, you know, as with so many things with regards to Bitcoin, I mean, it's so foreign. It's such a paradigm shift in so many ways that it, we, you know, everybody who tries to model this, interpret this, understand this is having to go into, you know, uncharted territory with how they think and, and how they, you know, what they, what frameworks they use to try to put around this thing to try to get a better appreciation for what it represents. And that I, I mean that in the economic, the statistical, the social, the personal, the cultural domains in all of them, you know, because like, like you were just saying, you said, you know, why haven't people kind of done this before? It's like, well, even with something like gold, which is often you use it in your model and it's, and people are more familiar with stock to flow in, in reference to gold, but gold stock to flow hasn't really been changing throughout its its history like it's more or less the same right and True. and so with with something like bitcoin we have something that not only is it constantly changing uh and, but it's it's changing at a frequency that that we know we we know how it's going to change and what kind of impact does that have on human action when something with those characteristics is a monetary instrument and you know is is 
subject to a global open 24 seven market, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, it, you know, I agree. I, I would love to see more work done in this area, more people attacking this. And, you know, I know that some people have been critical of the model and, you know, I think that's great. I think it's great to yeah. try to poke holes in things and, and, and point out where things are wrong, but I just hope that that doesn't, uh, that doesn't inhibit other people from putting their work out publicly so that it can be thought about and shared and critiqued and amplified by people, because this is such a unique thing that we're all trying to grapple with. And I, I just want to see more thought come around it and to try to understand it, not less. And to the extent that maybe sometimes the over, you know, the, the harsher critiques might inhibit people that are <laughs> e either not anonymous. And, you know, that's, that's one of the benefits of being not anonymous or just, you know, less, uh, a little bit less thick skinned than, than other people that do that. You know, I, I want to see more thought and discourse about this stuff. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate the work that you've done and, and the willingness you, that you've had to go on all these podcasts and talk to people about it and defend it and stuff like that. Do you, do you intend on, uh, you mentioned, you know, you're surprised that not many people have kind of added more to it. Do you intend on doing that for yourself or upgrading the model or are you kind of just letting it sit as is? No, yeah, I'm intending uh, to upgrade it. And, um, and, and, and also uh, what you said, I, I invite the critique and I hope more people will build on it or, or build other things and come with other ideas because this is uncharted territory, uh, Bitcoin as an asset. So, um, and it's, it's a wild world because I never, ever had, had encountered the kinds of critique on Twitter uh, in my <laughs> professional life. Uh, so ferocious, so, so has on. But I like it. Um, not the trolling, not the doxing, not the, the, you know, the lame arguments, but the, the, the very heavy and, and harsh critiques that are intelligent and, 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 and uh, they're, they're, uh, amplified on Twitter and and go much faster on uh, on the internet and Twitter than on, in a peer to peer review uh, normally. So I I really love that even more than a normal uh, article with peer to peer uh, stuff. It's, yeah. it's it should be this way. And and please be as as hard and and blunt as possible because because that 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 makes the discussion so much better. But yeah, I will. I will um, build upon the model I'm I'm already doing that. It it takes a lot of time I should say, but but. Uh, one of the things that makes Bitcoin so unique is that you have all the transactions in the blockchain. I run a node, if, as you know. I do have a fairly big computer, the teraram, uh, terabyte and uh, in RAM, so I can I can really slice and dice the whole um, UTXO set if I uh, the way I like. And you see the most amazing patterns in there. It's like uh, quant heaven, if you will. Um, and the stuff that I see, I'm I already see, I, I cannot talk too much about it right now, so I'll uh, place my bets first, but I'm quite sure uh, I'll come up with uh, more publication um, towards the end of the year. Um, where, uh, where you, in fact, can see, you, you can see some proof of this four-year cycle and the, uh, the halving and the stock-to-flow scarcity thing. Uh, why why it is there and how it works. and and and. It, yeah, it's very, it's a very amazing, but it costs a lot of time, a lot of Python programming and stuff. So uh, I hope, I hope to find that time actually. Yeah, well, I hope you find it too, because uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see the the fruits of that uh, work. Um, 
last question for you. Do you, or I guess second last, do you foresee a time in the future where maybe you're not in the current role of your day job and, and things are different? Do you, do you plan on, on being uh, anonymous forever? Or do you, you know, because we started off this conversation uh, sharing our, our kind of, or articulating what we're so enthusiastic about and what we enjoy about this community, this, you know, new country in cyberspace. And uh, I know there's many considerations why someone might, might want to be anonymous, but it also obviously limits the degree to which you can engage in, in certain things, particularly offline. So uh, is it something that you, you plan on uh, maintaining forever or is it kind of more temporary situationally uh, something that you've been doing and at a certain point you'll, you'll show the world who you are? <laughs> yeah, great question. Well, in fact, I am thinking about going 24-7 Bitcoin. So leaving plan A, if you will, and going uh, full-time plan B, because uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's such an it's intriguing It's hard to think world. about anything else, right? Th that, that absolutely. And of course, the monetary aspect. I mean, it's a it's, uh, uh, very lucrative market as well. Uh, however, I probably will stay anonymous for as long as I can. Uh, it sort of amazed me that, I could take it until now <laughs> because a lot of people know actually who I am. Um, so I meet a lot of people, of course, uh, in my work, a lot of people know who I am, but also in, uh, well, the, the, on Twitter and uh, you sort of, you, you can probably guess who my inner circle is. Those people, uh, I, I have met those people face to face and, mm -hmm. and we're doing video chats. So, so a lot of people know who I am. And it's it's sort of a miracle that the uh, last two years uh, uh, nobody has even come close to my real identity, and and to to come back at your point about the sovereign individual and the cyberspace etc. world, I think Satoshi Nakamoto gave a perfect example of how um, anonymity can really add to the discussion because uh, for one you're less vulnerable to personal attacks uh, like Craig Wright isn't doing right now with all the core developers that states might be doing later uh, and have been done uh, have been doing in the past of course with the predecessors of Bitcoin um, they have shut them down so uh, I can talk more freely by, uh, while being anonymous and uh, without all the harassment and attacks that otherwise would have been there. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I don't want to talk from a point of um, authority. So especially right now, uh, that wasn't the case two years ago when I was uh, when I had a hundred followers. But right now, with uh, two hundred thousand followers, then people just believe because. Plan B says it, and I don't want that. I uh, want people to don't trust me, uh, verify it. And being anonymous sort of makes that more easy because it focuses the whole discussion on the content and not on me, who I am, or my credentials, which uh, which could disturb that picture. And, and this keeps it clean. So, yeah, I, uh, I try to be anonymous as, as long as I can. Yeah, I think those are great points. Maybe after hyper-Bitcoinization, we'll, uh, we'll all find out who you are. But uh, <laughs> of course, we, we respect the privacy. Um, Plan B, this has been a, a great chat. I really appreciate you uh, granting me the time, and I appreciate your work as well. Any, any last words before we sign off? Uh, well, uh, people can find me and follow me on Twitter, of course. Uh, Plan B at 100 trillion US dollars. Um, 
and uh, well yeah i i really like the discussion john thanks for for having me it's uh, it's super and uh, let's see what uh, what what this year's is going to bring yeah, it's it's bound to be an exciting one so uh, oh, stra yeah. strap in <laughs> uh, take care mate take care bye bye, -bye.